The Second Century of Centuries of Meditations, Part One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. Centuries of Meditations by Thomas Traherne. The Second Century, Part One. One. The services which the world doth you are transcendent to all imagination. Did it only sustain your body and preserve your life and comfort your senses, you were bound to value it as much as those services were worth. But it discovers the being of God unto you, it opens his nature and shews you his wisdom, goodness and power, it magnifies his love unto you, it serves angels and men for you, it entertains you with many lovely and glorious objects, it feeds you with joys and becomes a theme that furnishes you with perpetual praises and thanksgivings, it enflameth you with the love of God, and in the link of your union and communion with him. It is a temple wherein you are exalted to glory and honour, and the visible porch or gate of eternity, a sure pledge of eternal joys, to all them that walk before God, and are perfect in it. 2. If you desire directions how to enjoy it, place yourself in it as if no one were created besides yourself, and consider all the services it doth even to you alone. Prize those services with a joy answerable to the value of them, be truly thankful and as grateful for them as their merit deserves and remember always how great soever the world is it is the beginning of gifts the first thing which god bestows to every infant by the very right of his nativity which because men are blind they cannot see and therefore know not that god is bountiful from that first error they proceed and multiply their mistaking all along they know not themselves or their own glory they understand not his commandments they see not the sublimity of righteous actions, they know not the beauty of truth, nor are acquainted with the glory of the holy scriptures. 3. Till you see that the world is yours, you cannot weigh the greatness of sin, nor the misery of your fall, nor prize your Redeemer's love. One would think these should be motives sufficient to stir us up to the contemplation of God's works, wherein all the riches of his kingdom will appear. For the greatness of sin proceedeth from the greatness of his love whom we have offended, from the greatness of those obligations which were laid upon us, from the great blessedness and glory of the estate wherein we were placed, none of which can be seen, till truth is seen, a great part of which is, that the world is ours. So that indeed the knowledge of this is the very real light, wherein all mysteries are evidenced to us. 4. The misery of your fall ariseth naturally from the greatness of your sin. For to sin against infinite love is to make oneself infinitely deformed, to be infinitely deformed is to be infinitely odious in his eyes who once loved us with infinite love to have sinned against all obligations and to have fallen from infinite glory and blessedness is infinite misery but cannot be seen till the glory of the estate from which we are fallen is discerned to be infinitely odious in his eyes who infinitely loved us maketh us unavoidably miserable because it bereaveth us of the end for which we were created which was to enjoy his love and of the end also of all the creatures which were made only to manifest the same. For when we are bereaved of these, we live to no purpose, and having lost the end to which we are created, our life is cumbersome and irksome to us. 5. The counsel which our Saviour giveth in the revelation to the church of Ephesus is by all churches and by every soul diligently to be observed. Remember from whence thou art fallen, and repent, which intimates our duty of remembering our happiness in the estate of innocence, for without this we can never prize our Redeemer's love. He that knows not to what he is redeemed cannot prize the work of redemption. The means cannot there be valued, where the end is despised. 
since therefore by the second adam we are restored to that we lost in the first unless we value that we lost in the first we cannot truly rejoice in the second but when we do then all things receive an infinite esteem and an augmentation infinitely infinite that follows after our saviour's love his incarnation his life and death his resurrection his ascension into heaven his intercession for us being then seen and infinitely prized in a glorious light as also our deliverance from hell and our reconciliation unto god six the consideration also of this truth that the world is mine confirmeth my faith god having placed the evidences of religion in the greatest and highest joys for as long as i am ignorant that the world is mine the love of god is defective to me how can i believe that he gave his son to die for me who having power to do otherwise gave me nothing but rags and cottages but when i see once that he gave heaven and earth to me and made me in his image to enjoy them in his similitude i can easily believe that he gave his son also for me especially since he commanded all angels and men to love me as himself and so highly honoureth me that whatsoever is done unto me he accounteth done unto him seven place yourself therefore in the midst of the world as if you were alone and meditate upon all the services which it doth unto you suppose the sun were absent and conceive the world to be a dungeon of darkness and death about you you will then find his beams more delightful than the approach of angels and loathe the abomination of that sinful blindness whereby you see not the glory of so great and bright a creature because the air is filled with its beams then you will think that all its light shineth for you and confess that god hath manifested himself indeed in the preparation of so divine a creature you will abhor the madness of those who esteem a purse of gold more than it alas what could a man do with a purse of gold in an everlasting dungeon and shall we prize the sun less than it which is the light and fountain of all our pleasures you will then abhor the preposterous method of those who in an evil sense are blinded with its beams and to whom the presence of the light is the greatest darkness for they who would repine at god without the sun are unthankful having it and therefore only despise it because it is created eight it raiseth corn to supply you with food it melteth waters to quench your thirst it infuseth sense into all your members it illuminates the world to entertain you with prospects it surroundeth you with the beauty of hills and valleys it moveth and laboureth night and day for your comfort and service it sprinkleth flowers upon the ground for your pleasure and in all these things sheweth you the goodness and wisdom of a god that can make one thing so beautiful delightful and serviceable having ordained the same to innumerable ends it concocteth minerals raiseth exhalations begetteth clouds sendeth down the dew and rain and snow that refresheth and repaireth all the earth and is far more glorious in its diurnal motion than if there were two suns to make on either side a perpetual day the swiftness whereby it moves in twenty-four hours about so vast an universe manifesteth the power and care of a creator more than any station or quiet could do and producing innumerable effects it is more glorious than if millions of angels diversely did do them nine did the sun stand still that you might have a perpetual day you would not know the sweetness of repose the delightful vicissitudes of night and day the early sweetness and spring of the morning the perfume and beauty in the cool of the evening would all be swallowed up in meridian splendour all which now entertain you with delights the antipodes would be empty perpetual darkness and horror there and the works of god on the other side of the world in vain ten were there two suns that day might be alike in both places standing still there would be nothing but meridian splendour under them and nothing but continual morning in other places they would absume and dry up all the moisture of the earth which now is repaired as fast as it decayeth and perhaps when the nature of the sun is known 
it is impossible there should be two at least it is impossible they should be more excellent than this one that we might magnify the deity and rest satisfied in him for making the best of all possible works for our enjoyment eleven had the sun been made one infinite flame it had been worse than it is for there had been no living it had filled all space and devoured all other things so that it is far better being finite than if it were infinite even as the sea within a finite shore is far the better cause it is no more whence we may easily perceive the divine wisdom hath achieved things more than infinite in goodness and beauty as a sure token of their perfect excellency twelve entering thus far into the nature of the sun we may see a little heaven in the creatures and yet we shall say less of the rest in particular though every one in its place be as excellent as it and this without these cannot be sustained were all the earth filthy mires or devouring quicksands firm land would be an unspeakable treasure were it all beaten gold it would be of no value it is a treasure therefore of far greater value to a noble spirit than if the globe of the earth were all gold a noble spirit being only that which can survey it all and comprehend its uses the air is better being a living miracle as it now is than if it were crammed and filled with crowns and sceptres the mountains are better than solid diamonds and those things which scarcity maketh jewels when you enjoy these are yours in their places why should you not render thanks to god for them all you are the adam or the eve that enjoy them why should you not exult and triumph in his love who hath done so great things for you why should you not rejoice and sing his praises learn to enjoy what you have first and covet more if you can afterwards thirteen could the seas serve you were you alone more than now they do why do you not render thanks for them they serve you better than if you were in them everything serving you best in its proper place alone you were lord over all bound to admire his eternal love who raised you out of nothing into this glorious world which he created for you to see infinite wisdom goodness and power making the heavens and the earth the seas the air the sun and stars what wonder what joy what glory what triumph what delight should this afford it is more yours than if you had been made alone fourteen the sun is but a little spark of his infinite love the sea is but one drop of his goodness but what flames of love ought that spark to kindle in your soul what seas of affection ought to flow for that drop in your bosom the heavens are the canopy and the earth is the footstool of your throne who reign in communion with god or at least are called so to do how lively should his divine goodness appear unto you how continually should it rest upon you how deeply should it be impressed in you verily its impressions ought to be so deep as to be always remaining always felt always admired always seen and rejoiced in you are never truly great till all the world is yours and the goodness of your donor so much your joy that you think upon it all day long which king david the royal man well understood when he said my lips shall be filled with thy praise and thy honour all the day i will make mention of thy loving-kindness in thy holy temple fifteen the world serves you as in serving those cattle which you feed upon so in serving those men that build and plough and plant and govern for you it serves you in those that pray and adore and praise for you that fill the world with beauty and virtue that are made to love and honour you to please and advance you with all the services that the art of man can devise so that you are alone in the world though there are millions in it beside you are alone to enjoy and rejoice in all being the adequate object of his eternal love and the end of all thus the world serves to promote and advance you sixteen those services are so great that when you enter into them they are ample fields and territories of joy though on the outside they seem so contemptible that they promise nothing 
the magnified pleasures of this corrupted world are like the egyptian temples in old time that were magnifica in frontispicio ridicula impenetrali they have a royal frontispiece but are ridiculous when you come in these hidden pleasures because they are great common and simple are not understood seventeen besides these immediate pleasures here beneath there are many sublime and celestial services which the world doth do it is a glorious mirror wherein you may see the verity of all religion enjoy the remainders of paradise and talk with the deity apply yourself vigorously to the enjoyment of it for in it you shall see the face of god and by enjoying it be wholly converted to him eighteen you shall be glorified you shall live in communion with him you shall ascend into the throne of the highest heavens you shall be satisfied you shall be made greater than the heavens you shall be like him when you enjoy the world as he doth you shall converse with his wisdom goodness and power above all worlds and therefore shall know him to know whom is a sublime thing for it is life eternal nineteen they that quarrel at the manner of god's revealing himself are troubled because he is invisible yet is it expedient that he should be so for whatsoever is visible is a body whatsoever is a body excludeth other things out of the place where itself is if god therefore being infinite were visible he would make it impossible for anything to have a being besides bulk as such in itself is dead whatsoever is visible is so in like manner that which inspireth bulk with motion life and sense is invisible and in itself distinct from the bulk which it inspireth were god therefore pure bulk he could neither move nor will nor desire anything but being invisible he leaveth room for and effecteth all things he filleth nothing with a bodily presence but includeth all he is pure life knowledge and desire from which all things flow pure wisdom goodness and love to which all things return twenty hence you may know why god appeareth not in a visible manner is because he is invisible those who are angry with the deity for not showing himself to their bodily eyes are not displeased with the manner of revelation but that he is such a god as he is but though he is invisible yet say they he may assume a body and make himself visible therein we ask them therefore what kind of body they desire for if he should take upon himself a visible body that body must represent some of his perfections what perfections then would they have that body to express if his infinity that body then must be infinite upon which the same absurdity would follow as before for being infinite it would exclude all being beside out of place if his eternity that cannot by a body be represented neither is any sense able to judge of infinity or eternity for if he should represent himself by an infinite wall sight being too short might apprehend itself defective and be assured that it could not apprehend the ends of that wall but whether it had ends which itself was not able to discern it could not be satisfied would you therefore have it to express some other of his perfections as particularly that of his beauty beauty being a thing consisting of variety that body could not be one simple being but must be sweetly tempered of a manifold and delightful mixture of figures and colours and be some such thing as ezekiel saw in his vision for uniform beauty the sun is the most delightful yet is not that sun the most delightful thing that is possible a body more beautiful than it may be made suppose therefore the most beautiful that is possible were created what would follow being a silent and quiet object of the eye would be no more noted than if it had not a being the most beautiful object being always present grows common and despised even as a picture is at first admired but at length no more regarded than the bare wall since therefore the most beautiful thing that is possible being always continued would grow into contempt how do we know but the world is that body which the deity hath assumed to manifest his beauty and by which he maketh himself as visible as it is possible he should
21. When Amasis the king of Egypt sent to the wise men of Greece to know quid pulcherimum, upon due and mature consideration they answered the world, the world certainly being so beautiful, that nothing visible is capable of more. Were we to see it only once, the first appearance would amaze us, but being daily seen, we observe it not. Ancient philosophers have thought God to be the soul of the world. Since therefore this visible world is the body of God, not his natural body, but which he hath assumed, let us see how glorious his wisdom is in manifesting himself thereby. It hath not only represented his infinity and eternity, which we thought impossible to be represented by a body, but his beauty also, his wisdom, goodness, power, life, and glory, his righteousness, love, and blessedness, all which, as out of a plentiful treasury, may be taken and collected out of this world. First his infinity, for the dimensions of the world are unsearchable. An infinite wall is a poor thing to express his infinity. A narrow, endless length is nothing, might be, and, if it were, were unprofitable. But the world is round and endlessly unsearchable every way. What astronomer, what mathematician, what philosopher, did ever comprehend the measures of the world? The very earth alone, being round and globous, is limited. It hath neither walls, nor precipices, nor bounds, nor borders. A man may lose himself in the midst of nations and kingdoms. And yet it is but a centre compared to the universe. The distance of the sun, the altitude of the stars, the wideness of the heavens on every side passeth the reach of sight and search of the understanding. And whether it be infinite or no, we cannot tell. The eternity of God is so apparent in it that the wisest of philosophers thought the world eternal. We come into it, leave it, as if it had neither beginning nor ending. Concerning its beauty I need say nothing. No man can turn unto it, but must be ravished with its appearance. Only thus much, since these things are so beautiful. How much more beautiful is the author of them? Which was a note and observation of the wise man in the book of... But the beauty of God is invisible. It is all wisdom, goodness, life and love, power, glory, blessedness, etc. How therefore shall these be expressed in a material world? His wisdom is expressed in manifesting his infinity in such a commodious manner. He hath made a penetrable body in which we may stand, to wit, the air, and see the heavens and the regions of the earth at wonderful distances. His goodness is manifest in making that beauty so delightful, and its variety so profitable. The air to breathe in, the sea for moisture, the earth for fertility, the heavens for influences, the sun for productions, the stars and trees wherewith it is adorned for innumerable uses. Again his goodness is seen, in the end to which he guideth all this profitableness, in making it serviceable to supply our wants, and delight our senses, to inflame us with his love, and make us amiable before him, and delight us in his blessedness. God having not only shewed us his simple infinity in an endless wall, but in such an illustrious manner, by an infinite variety that he hath drowned our understanding, in a multitude of wonders, transported us with delights, and enriched us with innumerable diversities of joys and pleasures, the very greatness of our felicity convinceth us that there is a God. 22. His power is evident by upholding it all. But how shall his life appear in that which is dead? Life is the root of activity and motion. Did I see a man sitting in a chair, as long as he was quiet, I could not tell but his body was inanimate. But if he stirred, if he moved his legs, or stretched forth his arms, if he breathed or twinkled with his eyes, I could easily tell he had a soul within him. Motion being a far greater evidence of life than all lineaments whatsoever. Colours and features may be in a dead picture, but motion is always attended with life. What shall I think, therefore, when the winds blow, the seas roar, the waters flow, the vapours ascend, the clouds fly, the drops of rain fall, the stars march forth in armies, the sun runneth swiftly round about the world? Can all these things move so without a life, or spring of motion? 
but the wheels and watches move and so doth the hand that pointeth out the figures this being a motion of dead things therefore hath god created living ones that by living motions and sensible desires we might be sensible of a deity they breathe they see they feel they grow they flourish they know they love oh what a world of evidences we are lost in abysses we now are absorbed in wonders and swallowed up of demonstrations beasts fowls and fishes teaching and evidencing the glory of their creator but these by an endless generation might succeed each other from everlasting let us therefore survey their order and see by that whether we cannot discern their governor the sun and moon and stars shine and by shining minister influences to herbs and flowers these grow and feed the cattle the seas also and springs minister unto them as they do unto fowls and fishes all which are subservient unto man a more noble creature endued with understanding to admire his creator who being king and lord of this world is able to prize all in a reflexive manner and render praises for all with joy living blessedly in the fruition of them none can question the being of a deity but one that is ignorant of man's excellencies and the glory of his dominion over all the creatures twenty three above all man discovereth the glory of god who being himself immortal is the divinest creature he hath a dominion over all the rest and god over him by him the fountain of all these things is the end of them for he can return to their author deserved praises senses cannot resemble that which they cannot apprehend nor express that which they cannot resemble but in a shady manner but man is made in the image of god and therefore is a mirror and representative of him and therefore in himself he may see god which is his glory and felicity his thoughts and desires to all objects his understanding is an endless light and can infinitely be present in all places and see and examine all beings survey the reason surmount the greatness exceed the strength contemplate the beauty enjoy the benefit and reign over all it sees and enjoys like the eternal godhead here is an invisible power an indivisible omnipresence a spiritual supremacy an inward hidden unknown being greater than all a sublime and sovereign creature meet to live in communion with god in the fruition of them twenty four that you are a man should fill you with joys and make you to overflow with praises the privilege of your nature being infinitely infinite and that the world serves you in this fathomless manner exhibiting the deity and ministering to your blessedness ought daily to transport you with a blessed vision into ravishments and ecstasies what knowledge could you have had of god by an unprofitable wall though endless and infinite for those things now are nothing can be but it exhibits a deity as the apostle saith by things that are seen the invisible things of god are manifested even his power and godhead because everything is a demonstration of his goodness and power by its existence and the end to which it is guided yet an endless wall could never manifest his being were it present with you alone for it would deny that infinity by its unprofitableness which it sheweth by its endlessness the true exemplar of god's infinity is that of your understanding which is a lively pattern and idea of it it excludeth nothing and containeth all things being a power that permitteth all objects to be and is able to enjoy them here is a profitable endlessness of infinite value because without it infinite joys and blessings would be lost which by it are enjoyed how great doth god appear in wisely preparing such an understanding to enjoy his creatures such an endless invisible and mysterious receiver and how blessed and divine are you to whom god hath not only simply appeared but whom he hath exalted as an immortal king among all his creatures twenty five you are able to see his righteousness and blessedness and glory which are invisible yea which is infinitely more to resemble and attain them 
to express them in yourself, enjoying them, and the similitude of them. No beast can see what righteousness is, nor is any brute capable of imitating it. You are, being admitted into the fellowship and order of angels, which have neither eyes nor ears, and yet see and understand things, which are infinitely higher than the sphere of senses. You are able to discern that in all these things he is love to you, and that love is a fountain of infinite benefits, and doth all that is possible for its beloved object. It endlessly desireth to delight itself, and its delight is to magnify its beloved. You are able to see the righteousness of love in this, for in doing the best of all possible things it is right-wise to itself and to all other beings, right-wise to itself in glorifying itself in the best of manners, and to all other things in making them most excellent, right-wise to itself in preparing for itself the best of treasures, and to its object in like manner, in making its beloved the most blessed, right-wise unto itself in satisfying itself in its infinite desire of becoming delightful to its object, in preparing for itself infinite pleasures, and in making for itself the most delightful object that can possibly be made. Right-wise unto you, in making you that object, and providing you all the treasures of itself for you, and making itself infinitely joyous and delightful to you. Nothing is so righteous or right-wise as love. For by making itself glorious it becometh infinite, and by loving its object infinitely it enableth itself to delight infinitely in its object's happiness, and wisely prepareth infinite treasures right wisely thereby at once enriching itself and its object, so that you are able evidently to discern that God is love, and therein to contemplate all his perfections. End of the Second Century, Part 1